0: Annoying. The phrase is from Geico, because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
1: Today on DC On Screen, we are going to be talking about the Legends of Tomorrow Season 4 premiere, The Virgin Gary. Right after this. You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, does anything but... This this is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse, where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane, some barely different from the next, others drastically so.
2: This is DC On Screen! Every week Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television, but be warned, if it's been officially released you can expect they'll
0: spoil it.
1: Welcome into DC on screen episode five thirteen. I'm your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co host, Jason Goss. Hello. And uh forgive me, I, I think I've taken sick. I think i I'm a little under the weather here, mm. guys. I've got the raspy throat, got the sore, soft palate, the clearing of the throat that happens. Sure. But we're gonna we're gonna try to get through this thing. It is Legends of Tomorrow, season four, episode one, The Virgin Gary. You you groaned as if we were doing the intro. Is is that indicative of your feelings regarding the episode, Jason? No. Okay. No, cause...
2: that was that was a uh, that was a moan, not a groan. <laughs> Very different.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was like a cow moo. I was like, What 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 are you doing? No, I definitely um,
2: wasn't practicing cow noises in the background.
1: Yeah, I mean it would be okay if you did, I guess. It would be a strange turn for our listeners. But let's be honest, it wouldn't be that strange.
2: I mean, we can get distracted at times, but that's that's a little too far.
1: Mm-hmm. I would say so. But, yeah. you know, I'm open to it.
2: No, We should be close to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, twitter.com slash DC on screen. And we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash DC on screen podcast. Uh, so, I honestly, I like this look quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I liked this episode quite a bit. It was a surprise for me.
2: I mean, that would be a surprise.
1: Yeah, I have you know, traditionally, this is just, yeah. I was going to say historically, but yes, <laughs> historically, I dislike Legends of Tomorrow. I think it is one of the uh, one of the strongest premieres I've seen out of the Arrowverse this year. So while I was watching this episode, I sort of just realized that there's not a lot of people in the show anymore. And like it was about the point where like they're walking around at Woodstock and they, they're doing the, the little comic book panels that are sliding about, mm-hmm. and I went, "Is that everyone?" <laughs> and it was. This and is, I was pleased. This is a workable amount of persons. I love it. This is manageable. <laughs> and you know i I really had fun with this. I, I did. I was a little I was a little disappointed that when the the unicorn showed up and and, and impaled the hippie. Mm-hmm. Sure. The blood didn't like gush out of both sides of her like it did in the trailer. I'm, I'm, I don't know if they looked at it and went, mm, they wouldn't really do that. And that's kind of silly. That's a little too far. Or what I'm betting is the uh, standards came down and said, look, you can't have like blood flying out of this damn unicorn's mouth all episode no, and at, have blood CW. gushing. So I'm guessing they chose one. Yeah, that, that. But um,
2: that is hard to pull off on the CW. <laughs> Just I
1: is thought of. I thought it was funny, but you got a bloody
2: I, nipple later. So
1: oh, uh, I know. I think they just weighed it. I think they looked at it. and went, eh, We're gonna have to lose a bunch of blood here. <laughs>
2: where do you All want? Right. Where do you want the blood? Ah, we need it on the nipple. Okay, you don't need. Yeah, you don't need it coming out the unicorn. All
1: right, fine. Which is why it's I'm already guessing pretty violent. Which is why I'm guessing, like, because I was pretty sure that arm was coming off. I yeah, I uh, thought we were
2: about to lose a Gary hand,
1: but or at the very least have some pretty serious wounds, and it didn't appear like did any of that happen. Mm-mm. After seeing those teeth, yeah. So um, it was funny that he lost his nipple. That was good. It
2: was. It was funny. It didn't make sense for the scene completely, but it was funny.
1: <laughs> my, my wife Bethany was like, "That was real dumb." When it like came back and just bit his nipple off. Yeah. I didn't care. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I was like nope, that was good. Yeah. That uh, was silly. It was. It was silly. The whole thing was silly. Yeah. The whole show was silly as hell. Um, for some reason I thought it worked more this time than it normally does. Yeah. So,
2: what, uh, oh, oh, it led to the Constantine line. Uh, my, my soul's gonna going straight to hell, but your double got there first. <laughs> that made me laugh. That was, I, that was, worth, it was worth it.
1: I like that. Gary was like, are you sure I'm a virgin? Cause remember that thing we did? He's like, Oh yeah, no, you're definitely a virgin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. You took out plenty of, don't worry, plenty of runway left on, on you, buddy. You don't even <laughs> worry about
1: it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> i loved the the unicorn sparkle sauce i loved everything about the unicorn it was just so dumb yeah it was it was so fun and dumb
2: oh the uh um, the inevitable mick line it's not a dragon but it'll have to do Mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. then later what happened we were roofied by a horse
1: yeah by the way i am loving how constantine is i feel like constantine is like really filling uh the snart role i've missed the i've missed that particular type of asshole yeah and I feel like Constantine is close to that kind of he is. demeanor.
2: He is. He uh, I, I mean, there's there's almost a portion of this episode where we are just going to talk about Constantine, but I feel like it's absolutely justified. Oh yeah. So I, I mean, first of all, it starts off with a Constantine centric almost uh, like new show new show title like title card or whatever. It it's mm-hmm. it's got his. Uh, I don't know what the hell those things are in the background, the, the hieroglyphs or whatever, but it's got his his style thing in the background. Like mm-hmm. They're doing that in the logo for the show now. Clearly, we're going to go down a very heavy road.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as as uh, Ray so, <laughs> I don't know, uh, un- unsubtly put it, is unsubtly a word? Yeah, sure, plainly. I guess uh, it, it can be, I guess. Um you know, people maybe it'll help the ratings because people like the supernatural.
2: Oh yeah, that that was uh, we would seen that in a teaser before. where They were kind of making fun of themselves, like, "Well, I mean, mm-hmm. what if we do this?" Ah, we've got a <laughs> we've got a small but loyal following.
1: <laughs> yeah, that
2: was good. And they also um they they took a moment to take a dig at Wally taking like another year, kind of half off.
1: Yeah, that was great.
2: That was that was all. I, I I always appreciate that kind of in joke.
1: Yeah, I I, I love that. They did a similar thing on Arrested Development many years ago when they kept uh, changing the number of houses, the order number of houses they were making along with the episode numbers. Like, well, now, now the investors don't don't really trust us quite as much. So now we've only got 13 episodes or whatever. It was. <laughs> or like, uh, we only have 13 houses. Like, we they've shifted the order from 22 to 18, guys. Uh,
2: uh, yeah, that was a good one.
1: <laughs> I love those kinds of jokes.
2: Uh, yeah, they're fun.
1: I liked it here.
2: And accurate, and it, it also kind of, in the background, feels like this is... It's a good episode and a great episode arc for Legends, where it is right now. Mm-hmm. But in another way, it feels like Constantine Season 5.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Because a lot of what's happening isn't happening anymore, but it, it but we've still got some of what Constantine was doing on the table. Like, the darkness is rising. You know, we're, uh, yeah, we're, we're coming for you, Johnny, and all that stuff. Like,
1: they kind of they kind of did with that line, and maybe they're still pr- going to pursue that storyline from, to, in some measure, from the Constantine series. But when he's like, "The darkness is rising," and Sarah goes, "What does that even mean?" And he's like, oh, oh.
2: "Exactly." Like, <laughs> That's the thing. They never actually said what it means, and in a way, they did retrofit it to the show where he kind of says, "Yeah, once you, uh, you, you let that one demon out, and a bunch of other ones came out." Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have like a. a Almost a timeline problem, but not actually. I, th- I think if you line it up, probably not. If I mean, if most of if like Constantine, the NBC series happened before all of this, and then there's a moment mm-hmm. where he's on Arrow that's really kind of a flashback, so that can happen whenever. And then even then, after after that, even he's mentioned on Arrow being like, "Oh, John's in hell." Uh, fine, he can go in hell. <laughs> he could be there for a day, and it would fit fine. Uh-huh. It, whatever, anywhere that could be an afternoon for John Constantine. Yeah. So you can fit in in the timeline anywhere and it still makes some sense that well what is the whole darkness is rising thing? Well, I don't know. And he can maybe come back and explain well there was this angel or something. I'm kind of I'm I'm really hoping we have some some closure to the plot points they had going on.
1: Uh yeah, I mean, well, did you notice how much through this episode she was like what happened in the last 5 months? he's like talking about how everyone he knows, he, he loves and is close to gets hurt or killed. Yeah. I'm a little afraid of what that means for the main cast of Constantine. I
2: know. I know. But, but, but. Everyone he loves or knows getting killed also means you have a Spectre now, so.
1: <laughs> if he can stop being Lobo long enough to be Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know if he has time.
2: But, a <laughs> few seconds, man. A few seconds. Yeah. Alright, that, that's, a, that's a lot to hold out for. That they would actually wrap up everything Constantine's series that we had hanging i mean there was so much stuff there but it really, even there the wasn't fact that, that much there was there Not was all the really. stuff with his mom there was all the stuff with the darkness rising the angel betrayal the specter the uh, everything with uh, uh cabby guy i can't remember his name right now
1: i ah, can't remember his well, name right now. i mean you know and the whole remember semi-psychic about, character did, it's it's absurd there's a lot i didn't there. remember about half of that so a lot
2: <laughs> happening you can pull from it or kill everybody i guess yeah. As you point out. But they they do bring it up, which I appreciate. And mm-hmm. I begrudgingly almost, but not quite, almost respectfully slash begrudgingly admit that even what they said about his backstory coming into this series. Eh, yeah. Yeah. You can kind of say, like, well, what, what does that even mean? And still work it into what you're doing here.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I even loved how tortured he was at the end. I I, I loved, you know, drunk John Coming out of the shower, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> singing, uh, "Go ask Alice."
2: <laughs> oh yeah, there's uh, the whole episode is like bookmarked by Jefferson Airplane. It's fantastic. Mm
1: hmm. Fantastic.
2: Makes sense for the episode. Makes sense for him. Wonderful. Yeah. We, they even pull in. It's one of my favorite Constantine phrases. I'm a nasty piece of work. You get it. You get a moment of that mm-hmm. even. Absolutely. Adored it. I'm very happy with how Constantine is being treated on the show. So it far, still yes. feels like a Legends show though.
1: They are towing that line kind of nicely. Um something about just like how dark and gruesome the episode was really did like ground the really silly shit in a way that I could accept it better, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean uh well that being said, getting into something that's gonna be exactly that. The Ray and Nora thing, what do you think?
1: Um, I think if it was anyone other than Ray, it would be dumb.
2: But he's got the heart of gold Boy Scout mentality, so you're like, Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. He's such a he's such a goofy bastard. <clears throat> That I'm like, yeah, you would fall in love with an evil, terrible, murdering psychopath. Because there was a spark when you touched her hand.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I'm still not ready to buy it, but they did go through some things together.
1: And it's a little annoying just because I know they're married in real life. And I'm like, this is a stretch to make them... (laughs) I feel like it's a stretch to make make it possible for them to, like, either she needs a job... Or they need an excuse for him to be, you know, in in Vancouver for a certain amount of time without her, and they're like, nope. You know what? We just need her on the show.
2: Like, it doesn't have to be that deep. It could just be. It might not be. Could just be as simple as she's free at this period of time. We're gonna be there anyway. Who wants to spend a a quarter or more of a year away from your family? Right. I mean, that's something we heard Stephen Mill talking about recently. Is it? on the uh rosenbaum podcast was what, what yeah was it, deep inside you or something
1: oh just inside of you inside of you <laughs>
2: deep inside you. have you have
1: you given that a shot recently?
2: no i haven't got around to it oh okay i've not catching enough on other stuff but it, it does sound interesting but i saw some of the expert uh, excerpts from it and yeah i like that kind of weighs on him he's got a family he's got Mm-hmm. young kids in particular that he's trying to yeah. make a bond with, like that. Yeah, that's a problem.
1: And Look, I don't, I don't have anything against Courtney Ford. I'll, I like Courtney Ford. She's a pretty good actress. You know, she's, I don't know, in the nicest way possible, easy on the eyes. It's not like it's a, <laughs> it's a chore to watch the woman. <laughs> she fits perfectly. I don't <laughs>
2: it's not, it's not detracting from the show, but it does. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, it's it, if you never knew that, you wouldn't think another thing of it. But because you know they're married, uh huh, it it has that extra aspect that's kind of annoying and unfair in certain ways, in a lot of ways. Yeah, mostly I mean, unfair, frankly.
1: I don't know. I don't. I'm not really sure. I see that. I mean, if I was a casting director, I'm like, you know what? All I know is they have good chemistry. Yeah, yeah. And I am I am thankful that they at least have progressed the Nora Dark storyline because like they really played Nora Dark up as like. Something on Arrow, and they dropped it.
2: <laughs> yeah, It did find its way so. somewhere
1: else. That was nice. Hmm. Anyway, so I, I guess I'm I'm okay with it for now. Like I'll be interested interested to see how they develop her character so that it makes sense or feels like it makes sense. Like that's the the real the real thing I'm hoping they do is they they make it make sense, make it feel right that she becomes a good a good person or whatever, because I'm assuming like, that's you what's want him
2: happen. you want him to be right about that.
1: Yeah, I do want him to be right about that. I, I am like, rooting for
2: for them. his character. I I, I do kind of want him to have that.
1: Like the Nora Dart, like the the redemption characters are always my favorite characters. The people who are still kind of bad, and I don't want her to become like completely good. I want her to be kind of an antihero. Yeah, and be the edge that Ray needs. I love Spike. That's right. a good example. I love Spike on Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> and something about that, that redemption story At like is at his best compelling he was, as hell.
2: He was always a charming guy who was willing to do the bad thing when it was necessary.
1: Mm-hmm. Mick Rory is another good example of that. Yes. I think. Yes. Um by the way, what did you uh what did you uh think of the sparkle sauce hallucinations?
2: <laughs> I, I did I liked the <laughs> I liked him and Axel having a moment.
1: Yes, that, that I, was, I was very pleased with. That That was
2: pretty great. Uh, the the Nate and Dad stuff was was pretty nice.
1: The Nate and Dad stuff. I like Thomas F. Wilson like a lot. I like I really liked him on uh, Freaks and Geeks, and obviously huge fan of his on you know, from Back to the Future. Right. Um. And they've made more than enough references to Back to the Future on the show. They didn't need him to come in and play Henry Haywood, but you know what? No. I really enjoyed that's, seeing him that's, here. Anyway, that's gravy. Gravy. I really enjoyed seeing him here. Anyway. Didn't hurt a
2: damn thing. Did the job just fine. Nice extra touch for someone who knows what they're looking at.
1: Perfect. And this is like this sort of relationship is is a bit tropey, or I should say, super tropy, because we've seen this over and over again in TV shows and in movies. Oh where yeah. The dad's like, "What kind of a job is this?" Blah blah blah, and then just like the the poor peacemaker wife who's just trying to make a sandwich for her boy. And
2: no, I mean, that, like that relationship has been happening since freaking. Greek mythology, and I mean, it's it's a well-worn thing, but I did... It's a
1: well-worn thing, though, because it's a real thing. It
2: is. (laughs) Some tropes exist because, as humans, we keep experiencing them and we keep relating to them. And Mm -hmm. uh, I actually was touched with, like, Nate comes back, and I mean, after they've kind of broken into their own house... I mean, it was fun to see Nate and Roy together. That was that was a good scene. But I wasn't too most uh, like uh, invested in most of the relationship until um, when Nate kind of says like, "Hey, do you want to have a beer with me?" We don't do that. Well, maybe we should start. Mm-hmm. I I liked that line, man. Yeah. What we've been doing <laughs> has never worked. We are the definition of insanity. Let's try something new. It's, you're still my dad. Let's try something.
1: I'm I'm a little confused by his his father's anger towards his profession, just because I'm like, this sounds like a pretty nice profession.
2: Yeah, it does, but it sounds like it sounds like one of those esoteric things where you're like, unless you're employed at Harvard, how are you ever going to make anywhere near the money I make? You know? Yeah. Because you can be a history professor at you know, in our situation, <laughs> like somewhere in Alabama, a history professor does not make that much money.
1: Yeah, which, you know, his, the mother said that he was taking a job. He just took a new job at the Pentagon or whatever, so you know it's going to be the Time Bureau, right?
2: Right. And he's
1: going to be like, my boy is a hero. <laughs> Not a hero, Dad.
2: A legend. I kind of I kind of wanted to just <laughs> leave that one, where we, we suspect that at some point the dad was happy. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's like one scene later where those two are just kind of having a beer and chatting, and they're happy together, and we kind of know, yeah... He validated himself. The the dad understood mm-hmm. what was happening the whole time. Eh, that, that can have a wrap-up. But at the same time, it's the only thing that bores me about the conflict is the wrap-up is always someone compromising a little bit. I mean, Nate wanted to do this. The dad wanted to do that. One of them is going to have to apologize to the other. Mm-hmm. There's no way out of that. But it was nice to see them compromise and just decide to have a beer.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way relationships work in real life. Most of the time, everyone compromises a little bit.
2: Um, yeah, honestly, when they actually work, that's why. Everyone kind of yeah. compromises a little bit.
1: Or they die unhappy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> alone and unhappy.
2: Yeah, you can almost uh, measure your blood pressure by how much you've compromised.
1: A lot can be said for peace.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, by the way, going back to ratings real quick. Last night's or not last night's, but um what was it? Monday nights? Monday nights. Uh, my days are all mixed up. Yeah, they're messing the with st-
2: us. We're gonna it's gonna take a second for us to get used to
1: Yeah. The premiere though, uh was the lowest lowest ratings the show has like ever gotten, pretty much. Like it was a it was a demo rating of uh zero point three, mm-hmm. just over a million viewers. Um it's not a substantial drop because the the last lowest ratings were it was like one point four million, mm-hmm. a zero point four rating, but for a premiere, especially yeah, for it's premiere that's
2: that's walking off a
1: plank. But who the hell knows, man? I've said it over and over over the years. Like, I, legends is always my guess that they're going to cancel it, and they never do. They kind of adjust. Now you watch though, because Constantine's on it as a series regular this year. They're going to introduce some more stuff. They're not going to tie up his storyline. They're going to introduce more shit.
2: It worries me that that's where they they're be gonna, heading. They're yeah,
1: they're going to cancel it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and then I'm going to be deeply. Annoyed because I have two different series where I've loved this version of this character and each of them get cancelled before they get to really do anything. hmm Yeah, I know. I know. It might be a problem. I I did was it just i me felt or... like it was a strong opener though, so
1: it was a strong opener, yeah. The only storyline I didn't really care about was was really uh Ava and Sarah. I uh it wasn't even that I didn't care, it was just I was kinda of bored by it.
2: I don't feel like I had enough time to be bored by it, but I'm happy for them as characters. I just kept feeling like they were leaning into the whole Ava being a demon.
1: Oh, hmm.
2: The the knuckles act up when she's there. There's she wants to move in, and suddenly there's activity they didn't know about.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, we we already know she's a clone. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get that at all. I just got that because she walked away, and then the knuckles started acting up. Yeah. I just felt like it was you know convenient sloppy writing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She walks away.
1: She walks away, and then Sarah looks over, and the knuckles move around. Like, oh, boy. I kept boy. wondering,
2: what, like, what what shape do the knuckles take to indicate something? And apparently they just take a shape and move and don't... I I didn't see what they indicated. I just didn't catch it. I didn't either. In the, you know, three-quarters of a second I had to stare at their final form, but... Yeah.
1: I, I it was know, weird. I don't know what's
2: going on with that. It I was weird, man. deeply get the feeling, though, specifically because she was moving in and because Sarah's, you know taking a chance and they're maybe happy and my first thought was like oh she's gonna die
1: uh, oh ava yeah yeah now i no, i'm not saying ava, yeah i'm not saying she's not gonna die i'm just saying i don't think she's a demon maybe i not. absolutely think ava's gonna die
2: yeah i had a lot of thoughts about that maybe she's Either a demon that, maybe it's combined maybe she's a demon so she has to die i don't know don't feel like they're gonna I let think, sarah be happy
1: yeah i think she's just gonna die <laughs> yeah.
2: and i, I man I, I like them together i want them to work but just don't feel like they're going to let him ha- have that.
1: Well, they also they also might let her live as a way of showing John that he's wrong and that he can have people near
2: him. Maybe if we get
1: because the whole episode he's referring back to himself like you and me, Sarah, we're the same.
2: Yeah, and there's always the the whole magic has a cost thing that he keeps harping on.
1: Which you know, if magic really, if magic always has a cost, why are you like, why are you opening the door with magic? That's why are you. Like, is it that, like, it's is what it like he a knows? Toe?
2: It's what he knows. It's what he does. And he also, in this version, thinks A, uh, I'm going to hell anyway. Mm-hmm. And B, I'm going to take as many fuckers as I can with me.
1: Yeah, but if you're already going to hell, what's the point in stumping your toe or something? You know, like, a if little magi- bit. like, I don't know. I'm assuming the bad things, like, the cost of the magic is proportional, probably at least, to the magic you used. Yeah. So open a door, stub your toe.
2: Magic. And he, he might have a little bit of a whole, the the whole, like, if you're a hammer, all you see is nails syndrome. Mm-hmm. He might. <laughs> just, like, just kind of a, oh, my God, I, I burned my souffle. Wait a second, I have a solution. Let me summon a demon.
1: <laughs>
2: I, or you could just cook a couple of eggs tonight, dude. Call yeah. that one a loss. <laughs> Already had eggs involved. Just fry up three and admit this one didn't work out. Uh huh. We do not have to to go down the summoning route right now.
1: <laughs> he summons a demon. What do you want me to just make this to a flavor? No, I want you to teach me how they. They tell me you're the best. Well, I am.
2: I can teach I you, mean, but there will be a right. cost. I don't care. I need this.
1: I need three hundred of your rubberiest nipples.
2: Yeah.
0: What?
1: <laughs> all right. Why? Don't ask. Okay.
2: And Gary's like one hundred and thirty-four of that storyline with the rubberish nipples <laughs> for one burn souffle. Yeah. There there might, that's a, that's a thing that might be happening.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know that I have much else to say about the show, this episode. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, uh, if the rest of the episodes are like this, I hope it doesn't get canceled.
2: Yeah. I could use another season like this. I I do have something I have, I have to mention.
1: What's that, man? It's a safe place here. It's a safe space.
2: The the Beatles mention mention up front. Hmm. I feel like obviously I have to say something. Um. Nate's rundown of getting Mick excited about eventually going like going back in the the British invasion uh-huh. history to like No Black Sabbath. Oh God, we've, we've got to protect these mop heads. That was funny. Mm-hmm. That was solid. I thought you'd enjoy that. I did enjoy that. Um.
1: I, I liked when he stopped at Led Zeppelin and went, "Wait, no, No Black Sabbath." <laughs> like, that was great. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, wait, 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 let me double down. Hold on. Like that. So. Oh, um, the the two things that struck me one one of the hippies says, "Give peace a chance." That was that was <laughs> solid. Like the song "Give Peace a Chance" was released like a month before actual like Woodstock happened. It was probably mm-hmm. like right there in the zeitgeist. That was cool. Mm-hmm. But the whole mention about like that's why they spelled it the Beatles was because they kept the beat. Oh, man. I felt like that was delivered as as though it was supposed to be a cheap shot at the Beatles, and I was so disappointed. Okay. the 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 thing is, I'm going to keep this short. I promise. It's not even that wrong. It's just not that right either. Like, yeah, there's there's, like, just all right. Like when you ask Bob Dylan about any song he wrote, and you get five mm-hmm. different versions in about 45 seconds. Right. That's what we're talking about here. It's, it's been it's been over half a century, and uh, a lot of the history of how it happened is, is lost. There's a serious chance that John just thought, oh, that sounds neat, and add a beat to it. But it's 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 more nuanced, and it has a very short version. It has a lot to do with the fact that they were listening to a lot of bands like them and uh, naming themselves like a lot of bands in the local area, and mm. they... Happened upon that, and there was a version where it was the silver silver Beatles, and there was Long John and Moon Dogs, and all that sort of stuff. But bottom line, they happened upon the Beatles, and it was the short truncated form, and the the, the Beatles hit. And <sighs> oh man, there's so much there. But yes, John thought it was funny.
1: Yeah, I, I got the I got the sense they weren't really poking fun at the Beatles or taking a swipe at them so much as they were taking a swipe at the. uh the news people at the time. The news commentators who were like... There was that. I didn't like the... How, what do you get that name? I
2: liked how they presented that news guy, though. He, like, he had <clears> the skinny <throat> microphone and everything. But,
1: yeah, and he seemed very clueless and goofy. Yeah. Which is why but, I think it was a it was a joke on the news people, not not them.
2: As far as I can tell, though, it, just looking at John's mindset, and I think it was him, and it may have also been Stuart Sutcliffe, and that's all or everything. But as far as I can tell, the some of the... Some of how it it came to be was it it was more like the beat generation, like the beat music, not so much keeping the beat as in tempo, Mm -hmm. which is to me entirely different. Also, bottom line, it might have just been a bad pun, and it's not that bad a pun. Yeah. I like that pun. I'm good with it. (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know either. Just obviously (laughs) deeply invested in the whole thing.
1: I, I know you are, bud.
2: So other than that, I kind of saw them and thought, oh, fun, and then saw that and thought,
1: well, yeah.
2: all right. And then uh, my only other kind of thought on the matter was, man, that is not enough people for at, at an airport at that period of time to be protecting the Beatles, that, that you need like a couple hundred other extras in that shot to make it make sense.
1: I mean, I felt the same way about Woodstock. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Woodstock was more than 25 hippies in a big field with no music anywhere. Well,
2: they had like a CGI field of hippies behind them. Didn't they? Yeah, they had like a rolling field up top with X-Men hippies. And there was a, a series. Trust me, both of them. I, I agree. Both of them. <laughs> vastly un, uh, underpopulated.
1: Uh-huh. <sighs> but, you know, I, I I think it was the, uh, maybe the Beatles at the beginning made me feel like the... uh Joplin Hendrix, and um it escapes me now. Who else was there? Uh Garcia. Garcia. Yeah. I think mean, that may have been a little too much.
2: They it was covered quickly and they moved on.
1: Yeah. That was the saving grace. Yeah. I dug that. All right. I liked it. <laughs> it was just so funny that they were like cuz they could just say whatever John, you know, whatever J- John would need for the spell to work. They could just like morph it to those people. I just think it's really funny that they they used Garcia's nine fingers <laughs> as a catalyst for that. I, I don't know. It was funny.
2: Yeah. Uh, fair and accurate though. I mean, sure. I dug that one.
1: All right. Uh, I think it's safe to say we dug this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, that does it for our premieres, or for for our premiere reviews. And uh, for now, what do you think next? Uh, for now, yeah. What do you think? Uh, f- uh, when are we coming back? I don't even know what day it is. Is it Wednesday? It's Wednesday. So next week, next week we'll come back with some news. Is that right? Yes. It has to be right. Yeah. Next Wednesday. <laughs> okay.
2: It's a week. It's a week from now. It's a week from now. And I'm annoyed because, man, some awesome news.
1: Yeah, there's some awesome news out there. mm mm hmm Yeah. Stuff we haven't talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. We're we're already kind of talking about some of it over on the, the uh the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash DC On Screen Podcast. We're talking about it on Twitter from, well, we haven't yet, actually, not fully, but dc at, at DC On Screen. Go, go check us yeah. out. Yeah. And um, if you're uh, listening to this episode, you probably like a little bit of sci-fi, and it uh, looks like we're going to be dropping, uh, or we have already dropped, our uh, first four episodes of our Star Trek podcast, me and Matt of the uh Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, so uh, we'll we'll have a link up somewhere at some point because they're just not on iTunes or Stitcher yet, but it's about to be. Uh-huh. So kind of keep an eye out. Until next time, guys. Keep some DC on your screen. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David C. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, could be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Effie Ophelders of the fantastic podcast Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud. It can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We are proudly in partnership with TV Time. TV show calendar and a social media site that lets you keep track of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, and where you all left off. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy, an improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more.
0: I maladjusted. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film Powder Donut. <clears throat>